Welcome to the Keyforge Premier League Weekly. Through the Crazy Killing Machine Network, we seek to bring you the top quality content that you crave and to share the passion that we have for Keyforge. All information about the Keyforge Premier League can be found at crazykillingmachine.co.uk. So let's get on with the show and join the best community in gaming as we look into the Forge. Hello, this is Jupiter from Manlius, New York, and I'm coming at you with another uh, Keyforge Premier League weekly podcast. Um, today I have with me a special guest. Um, I have a couple of them, actually. We're doing this in two parts. So um, the first part I'm going to talk to, this guy is basically like my brother. Why don't you say hello? Hello, I am Brett Pendragon, a.k.a. All for One. All for One. He lives over in the UK, so uh, he is my brother from another continent. <laughs> but <laughs> but, uh, but uh, uh, our families are, are pretty close. We've been talking for quite a while now, like since pretty much the inception of uh, Keyforge and stuff. But uh, Brett is a, is a good guy, and um, uh, I know sometimes he says the wrong things, but he's my boy. And um, I Back think when I, you were doing your mid-morning streams. <laughs> yeah you've always been the honest one i'll give you that and I, that's what that's that's the reason I'll, i will always go to bat for you uh, you're my dude but um we're here actually to talk about this thing upcoming called cote 7 um which is the keyforge online team event i think i got the acronym right correct yep. yeah okay cool and uh you guys have been going for seven seasons now you you're kind of a recent like uh, addition to helping them and uh helping chris out um who will be the second person we talked to on the second part of this podcast and and um, basically, um, you came up with the concept for Cote 7, right? So why don't you give us kind of an idea of what went through your head creating that? So uh, as a ex-Magic the Gathering player and yourself being one, you'll, there is the concept of player types within Magic the Gathering of the Timmy, the Johnny, and the Spike. And it's a concept that's followed me from Magic into Keyforge. And I thought there's different types of players that play different types of decks. And players will have decks that are amazing that they just don't get on with. All right, there's, a, to try and... there's a lot of Keyforge players that don't play Magic. So why don't you give give us a definition of these three types that you're talking about so they understand better where you're coming from. So your Timmy slash Tammy players are ones that tend, in Magic the Gathering, are ones that tend to go towards big creatures, big spells, look for a massive kind of play. Then you've got your Johnny and Jenny players who go for complex, creative combo players. So they'd be, in Keyforge terms, your Jenka players, your Brig players, the players that uh, look at decks and go, have I got combination players? Have I got cards that work well together? Your Timmy slash Tammy players, the ones that go for big creatures, big spells, will be the ones that look for the most consistent decks. And then you've got your Spike players. In Magic the Gathering, those are direct damage rush players. And for me, in Keyforge, that would be players that just want to forge free keys as quickly as possible. Yeah, so spikes are basically the hyper competitives, right? Like that's the way I always yeah. I always took it. Tammies are kind of like the uh, the EDH guys, right? Like they're guys that basically they're they're playing for fun and they want the the thematics of the game. And then the uh, the other one that you were talking about there, um, the Jimmies or whatever, they are kind of in the middle, right? Like they basically are. They're looking your for... combo players, yeah. Yeah, they're your control combo players. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, like, uh, so how did that come into your creation for the Cody Seven rules, and what are the rules? So, with Cody Seven being a five-deck survival, so each team is only bringing five decks, and there's going to be a minimum of five rounds. Once a player runs out, once you lose with a deck, you move down your list. No two lists will be the exact same, which means that you, 
play. Yeah, it's going to be quite interesting to see what deck's going to be brought. The reason I've started off going into the the basically the player types of magic is because I wanted to uh, that sort of stuck with me when I was playing Keyforge, and I thought, okay, if you've got a team of three players, it's very unlikely they're all going to be the same type of player. So if you ask them to bring multiple decks, how would a spike player be uh, handle a good Tammy player's deck? Bringing these different combinations of decks, and throughout the four sets of Keyforge, there are vast ranging archetypes and types of play and types of deck out there um, you'll see some amazing decks out there that some players can't get on with so I'm, I'm interested to see how out of the three players how each would handle the same deck in the same circumstances yeah it's kind of an interesting thing with uh, I found with Keyforge is that uh, different people pilot decks differently right like some like I have, I've always said that some people I'm not sure what Harlan's doing in the background. Sorry about that. He doesn't sound happy. But uh, he, so basically, you have a um, you have the basic. He's like totally distracting me right here. So you guys can laugh at that. But he's deciding to scream at the top of his lungs for no reason. But uh, anyway, so what you're saying though is that they basically have like archetypes in the game, like different sets in the game. Basically, are are made towards to tailor towards different people's play style, right? So, um, like, I know for me, I prefer to just put pressure on people. Basically, I like to drop amber and I like to basically take amber. Um, board state matters to a certain point, but I'd rather be in the in the game throwing and, and taking amber, right? Like, that's my style. Um, whereas some players I watch, they play this, like, capture, like, slow play, like, control the board, uh, lock down the game, Look for the uh, you know the long term solution to the win basically. Exactly. And then other got, uh, perfect example is Dave from Repout with the five Edi deck. <laughs> that is a perfect example of a lockdown control deck where he, he doesn't care ha what happens as long as you don't forge your third key. Dave still in the back of his mind is going, I can still win this until that third key is forged. Yeah. So like, yeah, like. That's the beauty of Keyforge, right? The swings, right? There's a ton of swings and different styles and stuff. So for this Q Code A7 um, adventure, like, so I am on a team with two other people and we have to share our decks now. We have to figure out who's going to play what and like what, like how we're going to, what decks we're going to pick out of these pools. And you've made the number five. Was this to basically just make it so that everybody couldn't go, well, we'll bring two each. <laughs> like is five <laughs> meant to start the strife in the team early? Like what, why did you go with five? I wanted to keep it an odd number because of well the way that survival works is standard. I went with five because I thought well if we got nine would be too high, and I wanted to keep it a good number for Swiss. So I went with five because that means we're gonna ha we can have a minimum of five Swiss rounds, and that would probably lead to a team being knocked out. Because the be the beauty of this is even if the two other players win all their games. You can come top of your group, but if the third player's lost all their great games, you're out. Right, so as soon as like one player loses five times, that team is dead. Yeah. So that's that's an interesting dynamic, and the idea that uh, stress is going to definitely come in on the player that is the weakest link, right? And like uh, you're basically targeting the weakest link, and the way you beat uh, another team basically is by targeting their weakest link and knowing that they can go at 
each other, right? Or like for the rounds, are there gonna are the people gonna be able to choose their matchups, or are they gonna just be predetermined by like before, like how you had that like... will be something for Chris in the next one. I imagine we're gonna be reverting back to the captain blue and red system. Mm -hmm. So it'd be and uh, we might do a rotation like we have with sets where captains take on different people, but the chances are. I imagine Chris just wants to keep captains versus captains and reds versus reds and blues versus blues. Okay, this makes sense. And then uh, well, I can, again, I can something for Chris to confirm. Yeah, I can hammer I can hammer Chris in the uh, next one with that. <laughs> so like um, that's cool. So um, what is it that uh, you hope to accomplish with Cote Seven? Like, what are your goals? Like, what are your goals? Your chaos. I want to see people bringing Vault Hall level decks during the, uh, this certain, uh, this hard time where we haven't had the apart from your events, we haven't had the competitive level of play where people can bring all the sets, all their best decks, and just go completely hammer at each other. I want to see how Mass Mutation will handle Brig decks and Jenka decks and all this Rush deck. And I just want to see how all these sets are going to handle each other in this kind of format. Yeah, sounds great. Like, um, I think this is gonna happen because uh, I know that in, on our team, like we are, we've gotten nowhere with deck selection. We're, we're still in, a, in the process of going. Well, we have all these decks, and with me, it's hard because like I have like thirty to forty decks I really like, like uh, that I like enjoy playing. Um, but then when I'm, I'm like, what are your goals for this event? Like, like how far do you want to go? Like, what kind of depth do you want to have? Are we really looking for super competitive? If we're looking for super competitive, are we looking for like, are we thinking artifact control is gonna be the meta? Or then we... you've also got to think about your deck order because we've had a few people saying, oh, we can just order it so our best decks are last. It's like that's fine, but you still need to win because mm -hmm. if you're not in the if you're not in the top three of your group, then you don't move on to the top cut. Right, and if you have so, a person lose five games, they're out. Like so, and if you have a person lose five games, so your deck order is just as important as your deck selection. And teams with this also helps up teams with a limited deck pool because they're all able to pull together now. And we, we know that was happening to begin with, but this sort of confirms that, yeah, if you're a team, share decks. Yeah, but the thing is, is like, uh, what that is, is that if you have the best decks in the world, you have the best decks in the world. There's not like anything that a weaker group of players is going to be able to do to really combat that you're still going to come in with like you know 90 plus sas decks and you're gonna have five of them and you're gonna go hey look at look at us like we're, we're we have god tier decks and then you're basically yeah, we've had people saying that with uh, saying there's an exploit in the system where they can literally change their order but basically have all their best decks going first and a few people saying that needs to be changed i'm like it's fine because like i said people can bring god tier decks but in the end they're still at the mercy of rng we're all still at the mercy of what we draw and what deck we go up against. You can have the best deck in the world. Still doesn't mean you're going to win. Everybody coming into this wants that win and is going to come in with their best decks try to have fun, but also to push the, to the limits of what they've got. Yeah, like I, I, I understand. Like I understand like the, the concerns on both sides. Like for me, I have like competitive decks and i have like lesser competitive decks and like honestly like sas doesn't really matter too much like it matters to a point a certain degree but i do guarantee you that some of these like top level teams like the uh, reapouts and the sasses and the urchins and the well maybe not the urchins i don't know the urchins decks that well but i know that you have a good presence and a good reputation um who else do you have over there the mavericks uh like those guys and the uh, archimedes like the people who have like you know good team groups um and like uh, what, what's the uh, there's a polish group too that's been really good too right uh, like, can't touch this yeah can't can't touch this they have deck selection they have deck depth the hamburger atlanteans they, they would have huge deck depth 
And um, I, I can understand casual players being frustrated trying to overcome those. But with that said, I think that there's plenty of decks that are always competitive. I don't think that there's ever a deck that just absolutely wins. So um, De Definitely. And being able to have that f uh, free range and uh, players come across this many decks, we have teams like the Screech Babombs, mm -hmm. and they didn't consider themselves competitive players at all. They've taken part in some cult events. They've started to get some wins. They've started to see themselves improve, and that's given them the confidence to take part in KPL events. So they've started moving on towards entering into the individual events in the more premium side of the uh, scene. So this is sort of ma making that push going, well, these are the kind of decks you would see at a premium event to newer players. Yeah, and, and quite honestly, like uh, unlike in Magic and other games like that, um, the meta is so diverse that like sometimes it's just getting lucky and picking the right archetype, right? Like sometimes like if you go into a scene and everybody's playing DAV decks and you pick the deck that has a bunch of art artifact control, hey, look at you, you have a great day. But you go into a scene thinking that there's going to be DAV decks and all of a sudden there's no DAV decks and everything is based off of Code or Rush, like now your deck is probably not going to have such a great day, right? Like um, there's there's that coin flip that goes with the, the thing that you decide to bring. And uh, I think uh personally that the best players are going to bring the most like balanced decks and let their gameplay yeah. tip the scale right and i think this is something you'll see a lot on the event on well uh, imagine this is going to go out after saturday so at the uh, mass mutation double uh, double deck survival you're going to see a lot of decks there which form a triangle of control that have good creature control good ammo control and good artifact control because it's really important to have that kind of balance and that's something that in Code 7 we're going to see is people bringing decks that lean, sort of take that uh, balance and push it more towards one side are going to do well to start with. But as they get more towards these decks that are more geared towards balance, they're going to struggle because Dave, uh, we, we, the five, I'm going to go back to the 5e deck because it's one of the more notorious ones throughout Code. <laughs> but all it takes is one good Eaton's Jar deck, and that cat deck falls apart. Yeah, I mean, but are you playing to run into that deck? That's the that's the other gamble, right? Like, uh, eventually, yeah, well, I, I guess you'll have to go through it if you plan on winning, if you think they'll still be there. But, like, again, I think that the uh, the way that the, the game plays out, like, skill is still the most important thing. Like, you have to be good at playing cards and understanding what's happening in the game. Um, I think that the how well you know each set and what the set's weaknesses and strengths are and how quickly you can apply those to your opponent's deck lists are huge. Um, when you're online, like you are here in TCO world, right? There's way more information that you would, than you would have at a tournament. So people are taking their time to pick information and basically they take longer turns so they can look through everything, right? Like they can see everything. Just exactly. So like... Uh, you'll, you'll see that in the games we're recording. You'll see players take a couple of minutes to look at their opponent's discard, look at their opponent's deck list. At the end of the look deck, at the, at the end yeah. of their deck, they're like, okay, I can know exactly what seven cards are in his hand. Like I had somebody say that before and like, uh, I, I get it. Like, but at the same time, like you should still play with a reasonable pace, right? Like, yeah. but, but uh, at the same time, like you're not going to deny per a person the time to think about these things. Right. And to basically uh, make an educated play and make a, a smart play. Right. But uh, no. it's different Playing online. Yeah, playing online is dra dramatically different to playing in uh, playing in real life. And even if we somehow found a way to turn it off on the Crucible, 
the deck lists are public, so a person could just literally have the deck list opened out the side, and there's nothing we can do about that. Yeah, I'm not even complaining about that. Like, I just, I'm just, I'm just stating for the fact that, like, in playing online on TCO, like, you're gonna, see, you have the potential to see higher quality level of play for more players than you would at a live event at a live event yeah. like you're going to see people make mistakes and things there's not computers to go hey by the way do you want to finish your turn did you miss this card that's out there still you know like you're not going to have that at a live event so you see a no, lot you, you see don't. a lot more rng and a lot more mistakes if you go to a vault or star championship any level of event mm -hmm. one uh, you've got the atmosphere that keeps you on edge You've got the pe you've got the people to talk to. You have got the games to go through. You got you can go and look at other games as they be as your as your game ends. But you've also got the downside of the fatigue of being outside, being in an unfamiliar environment. On TCO, you're at home. You're comfortable. Now, uh, in some people's cases, the, you're on a tablet or you're, you're as uh, Simon Roadhouse, one of the snuffle getters did. He was in his car playing on his laptop. Yeah. But the distractions are a lot less. You've got a lot more information available to you, and you're more in control of your environment. So you you do see a lot more controlled environment plays where people are going to be playing at a lot higher level than you might see them play in real life. Yeah. All right. So I I, I would have to assume that Code A Seven is exciting for you since you're the one that created the idea and the concept of it, and um, I know that you're looking forward to seeing this chaotic uh, game state that uh, you're hoping that it comes out of it. Um, what are your predictions? Like, what do you think is going to happen with this uh, as, from the history of all the other Codes to now? Like I think we're going to see a high number of mass mutation and call the archons because call the archons is what most players are comfortable with and it's what most people know the most about and going back to what you're saying about knowing the sets if you can give a player that a deck they're unfamiliar with if it's in call the archons they're going to adapt to it a lot quicker than they are with the newer sets because not everybody has the same time as me to play like 10 games a day to keep up the keep up with it uh where well, i think we're going to see some top-end Worlds Clydes and AOA decks, and I think we're going to see a nice mix mash of archetypes. I think it's going to be very hard. Every game is going to be very hard fought. We're going to see some rush against rush. We're going to see some control against control. But I think the the enjoyment level of the games is going to be at an all-time high because people are going to be. It's no kind of practice to the same extent. You don't know what kind of deck you're going to be coming across. Uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be pure chaos. I'm going to love looking at this metadata. I'm going to love looking at coming across. It's very hard to predict, but I think the majority of decks are going to be mass mutation and call the archons. I can understand those two sets are very powerful, but um, I found that like, how do you feel? Then on a side note, how do you feel about Age of Ascension and like where it's poised now and where? Worlds Collide is poised now. I think there's a really good rock, paper, scissors effect going on at this point. Like, I think AOA has seen a, has seen a surge in, uh, in popularity again because now a lot of the cards are having more meaning against mass mutations. I think that uh, there's a good matchups there that kind of pop in with the mass mutations and what they're trying to do. But uh, at the same time, like, I think that if you're playing mass mutations and you're not countered by mass mutations, there's a huge exploit like uh, type things that can happen with Dav decks and Vault Blessings and all those like uh, the speed of it is it's like probably faster than Coda's initial rush. So like uh, 
I think, how do you, like, I, that's my take, right? Like, I think that the sets I are... can only go off personal experience when it comes to this, but, and what, for what I've seen, and Mass Mutation, in, throughout Code 6 and throughout my own gameplay myself, really kind of dominates over AOA. Uh, the only game, the only uh, group stages uh, I lost were as the AOA player was against Mass Mutation. And when I was looking at other, the gameplay throughout recording games, it was a very similar thing. The Mass, Mass Mutation sort of had a lot more control over AOA because they were f a lot faster and they had access to giving houses that didn't usually have a degree of control more control. Being able to capture in Untamed, being able to be able, uh, draw cards in Untamed, in Untamed, which you couldn't usually do in the other sets, gives it a lot more speed. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I've said it quite a bit. Mass mutation is what we kind of expected going AOA to be when we were looking at it. It's good board presence plays with good combination cards, but it has the enhancements which give it that leg up and give it that additional speed. Yeah, that's fair to say, but. Uh... I don't know, like, uh, I've seen a lot of Genka decks kind of resurging as well, and, like, uh, because of the lack of interaction, um, and the fact that, like, most of the um, control, like, the amber control in Mass Mutations tends to be capture, right? Like, I think there's more capture than there is steel, so, like, a lot of the amber sticks around on the board more, so, like, these Genka decks can feed off of, if they have the right build, they can basically feed off of the... Uh, off of the board state right like because they can basically store their amber get their amber back in a sweep if they have a board clear or a board swipe like a you know like a, a carpet flaxum or whatever and like basically get a pile of amber to go instantly into their combos and stuff so i don't yeah, know it'll it, be interesting you can take it on to it but you have to draw in the right order in coat six the semi-finals of the ganymede archivist and the french keys was a Mass Mutation Rush versus a Jenka deck, and the game was over within, within eight turns. The Jenka deck just didn't draw the pieces it needed early on, and the Mass Mutation deck was able to run away with the game. Well, Mass Mutations is definitely explosive. It's a fact. Like, uh, I have a Double Vault Blessing deck that doesn't have any cool tricks other than it has... It, it does have... Uh mutants in it <laughs> and like in the fact that you have so many mutants and you have double vaults blessing you can really just pile a key on turn one like you can pile yeah, up the, the lack of high impact steel like you said is a big factor and i think that that needs to be brought in you have got things uh you have got the sanctum card that lets you capture down to five but mm -hmm. that doesn't get rid of the amber nope it brings so, it brings it all to the board like i said like it, the board becomes a huge bank um, Rush decks, Drummonauts, Ganga Chief decks have got some, uh, got a lot of power. If you can generate more amber than Mass Mutation can deal with, you're in a good spot because you haven't really got that high impact amber control. Mm -hmm. Yep, I, I don't know. I, I guess it's gonna it's gonna be interesting, and the chaos is real. Like it's gonna happen, and uh, I still think that Mass Mutations is probably the best set that we've seen printed so far, all around, all together. Um, Coda is still like right there with it, but like. I do put the edge on Mass Mutations because it has specific things about its set that basically make the set better, especially in a vacuum. Um, it plays against itself like very hard. Like um, all the cards basically synergize on both sides of the table, so both people are getting benefits, which makes it harder to play like heads up. But when you take it out of the context of playing Mass Mutations on Mass Mutations, like it's just that much better. I think the power creep is starting to be seen. Oh, definitely. And if you've got... Well, Logos essentially has a board wipe against the other sets in uh, Kazap because it destroys each non-mutant. And so if you 
giving Logos essentially a board wipe against the older sets is a very powerful move. Yeah, so I know that you have things to go get done with your wife as far as uh, her time on the computer and stuff, so I don't want to hold you much longer. Um, it was a pleasure, as always, talking to you, Brett. Um, do, you have any, do you have anything you'd like to add on to um, Kote's seven expectations, or do you want to put out the announcement to make sure people register by November 16th? Yeah, make sure you uh, register by November 16th, <laughs> get your decks in, as you already said. And I, and all this, I want to try and get, I want to clear triple digits. It's something we haven't done before, and I'd love to try and clear d triple digits because everyone's saying this is a, a fun uh, uh, format and it's brought in a lot of new players to look at it. So I'd really love to get the teams into the triple digits, which we haven't done. Well, you know, that's a goal for everybody is to kind of push that. I mean, at our biggest qualifier so far, we've had, I think, 70-ish, but, like, we've never hit 100 either. Um, I think Sanctum might have cracked 100 at some point, Sanctimonious, but uh, I'm not oh, sure. Nice. I'm not sure. I can't speak on that for certain, but uh, no. I know I know that the people are out there, and we just have to get them to get out there and play, right? And that's the biggest thing we're exactly. doing is trying to but the hard, people. the hardest for us is we're, not trying to hit, we're trying to hit 100 teams, which is 300 players. Yeah, that's way more. That's a lot. Yeah. But uh, that's a that's kind of a pipe dream, maybe like at this point in Keyforge. But prove me wrong. <laughs> exactly. That's what. Well, that's what we got. Eighty-three for this one. So seventeen more teams, and we go over the limit. Nice. So yep. All right. So that is um, all I got for Brett, and uh, this is part one of the thing. I'll be right back after this short break and we'll have a talk with Chris and talk a little bit more about the structures and stuff and see what he has to say about the uh, direction of Kote and how he feels it's been going um, since he's kind of the, the godfather of it. So thank you again, Brett, for your time and we'll be back in just a bit. And I'm back, Jupiter from Manlius, New York, uh, on behalf of the Keyforge Premier League Weekly. Um, I am here for the second half of the interview with the other, with the brain trust of the uh, Cote system, uh, Chris. So why don't you say hello and introduce yourself, Talk, say a little bit about your product. <laughs> about my product, yes. Well, <laughs> hi, Jupiter. So yeah, I, I'm Chris, or C-Minion. I'm, I'm the founding idea behind Cote. Uh, last year and I'm the guy keeping it ticking it over stressing all the other mods out by me panicking in the same way that any other tournament tournament organizer does when they don't see the numbers early uh but yeah it's it, it's it's one of my babies one of my passions outside of my, my real family and uh, yeah I, I I'm enjoying running it and I'm hoping and the community is enjoying playing it as much as we are so why don't you give us a brief history of uh, the, the the history of Code A, uh, start with like Code A1, what your goals were and how you either met or exceeded and then like walk us through to code up to Code A7. Sure. So um, I was in the Madrid Vault Tour uh, last year, uh, obviously not this year because of COVID, but uh, and I was sitting there going, I could only make it for two days because I had to fly back for family commitments on the Sunday. And so if I qualified, I was going to be in trouble for the final day. But those of you who know me, no, I'm actually a terrible player, mediocre at best. So that was never really a threat. And I just got chatting to people going, it's awesome to play with new people. Now, I have a great community. I'm based in Southampton in the UK. And officially, we had the second largest number of people in the world after FSG's HQ for, for coming up to our weekly chain bounds, believe it or not. We we're one or two shy below FFG's HQ. Um, but still, it's just having new people, seeing new styles of play, the friendliness, the openness. I learned so much in that Volt Tour from one Italian guy and one English guy. 
um, than probably more than the combined playing I had of the previous six months. And this was just awesome. And I just loved chatting to people and meeting people. And for my day job, I travel. And when I say I travel, I did 17 countries last year. And and the key thing for me was I I always went out my way to go and find a Keyforce community where they went. So I think I managed eight countries last year playing in. I've only managed two this year because uh, three. Sorry, no, I played I played in Indonesia as well. So I played in three countries, including the UK. Four if you count Wales, but let's not get too fussy there. It is part of the UK. Um, and I wanted to just bring these people together through some structure. And I didn't want to bring people together as individuals. I wanted to get people like myself who were unable to always regularly commit to local chainbound events, but still have that community feel and get them to play with their mates, but still target the wider audience. And after me bumbling about this, after possibly a couple too many beers on the Friday of the Midrid Vault Tour, I was running this by uh, Stuart Green, whose slogans, he runs one of the London groups, while in Madrid, of course. Um, and he came up and he said, yeah, this is a great idea. We'll, we'll, we'll probably want to commit. Go and set Sina up. And, and so we left the Madrid Vault Tour and I went, wow, this idea may have some legs. Maybe I'll get three or four teams together, five-man teams together, play some events, see what happens. And, right, and so we set up our first five-man event, or five-person event. It was us versus a Spanish team from Gran Canaria, who I've completely now forgotten the name of. They've never competed in any Cote event since. This is what I have since named Cote Zero. And team exalted from Southampton won the uh, three of the five matches. So we claimed their Cote Zero victory. Uh, and it was brilliant. We got to the end of it. Uh, wow, this format works. And everyone went, we can't find five-man teams. So we made it a three-man team. But apart from that, the, the ethos we were following was keep it small teams so you're playing ideally with your mates that you normally say go and play Keyforge with or the guys around or the guys you communicate readily or part of your team as it quickly became but you're playing against people from around the world you're playing against people who you don't normally see day to day but that's and, and that's where we started and the other the two criteria I had from the start were we will never run a sealed event because we do not, well, sorry, three, three things I put in. We'll never run a sealed event because sealed events are there for stores to be able to get people through the door and help pay for the cost of the stores. We don't need those overheads. Two, we will never charge for an event, even if it means we get no prize. But we will never charge because we want this to be available to open to everyone. And similarly to as you're doing, Jupiter, for the KPL, um, is I wanted this to be accessible to all whether you're a guy at home who's a stay-at-home dad without an income or whether you're a multi-millionaire traveling the world, this should be open to anybody. And, and, and finally, I wanted it to be stress-free. <laughs> yeah, wishful thinking. But no more than one game a week per person. Well, uh, yeah. well I guess three out of four is okay because stress always happens. <laughs> yeah, and, and not everyone is like me who, who looks at time zones and says, oh, I've got to be up at 5 a.m. tomorrow. Oh, well. Midnight now, I'll get up in four hours, it'd be fine. Yeah, I discovered the rest of the world isn't like that. Um, and that's where we began. Uh, and that's the humble beginnings. We started it, coat one, two, three. We changed the format a little bit. And then at coat three, we then went, okay, I'm going to have to, our numbers are growing now. My, my small plan of having three or four teams is growing to 30 teams for the first event. It's like, ah, great. So, spreadsheet open, right. Yes. Now, how do we run a tournament again of this size? 
Right, okay. So I took a step back, handled it, um, moving on. And then we, we've, we, we've started programmatically using Google Sheets for all the logging. I'm not a fan of challenge for a number of reasons to the annoyance of the mod team, especially so I, I don't want to use it. Uh, and we've got our own backend system that's becoming bug-free. Uh, hmm. And uh, we, we are now, I think, we adapted slightly for Coat 6 because so many people went, we can't handle time zones. And, and I get it. I've had to take a step back and look at it and go, I get the concerns about time zones. For me, it's no problem, but I understand why it is for other people. Their lives are not quite as fluid as mine. Well, uh, I, I, and go ahead. I say, well, I, I understand that fully because being who I am for the KFPL, like uh, I have to record all different times and I'm up and I'm recording and I think, and then I have a higher expect, you know, expectation expectation for the way i want things to get done and stuff like that and sometimes it comes across as me being like overly bossy or over high but i shoot high because like i figure i'd rather fall short than not like meet my full potential right so like oh, um, definitely and, and uh, i can honestly say that for the first season of what we've done at kfpl i've been very blessed to have the crazy killing machine people who also back you guys um and yep. they've been uh, you talk about trying to run a tournament and like your head going spinning if it wasn't for carl and uh steve i would be out of uh, i'd be uh, i probably would have lost my head already like uh they've been wonderful as far as keeping things uh um organized yeah. for us so. They, I mean, Crazy Clean Machine have been great supporters of us, uh, great great guys to run ideas off. Um, I mean, I'm I really glad we partnered with them. It was a difficult decision because we quite liked our independence, but at the same time, I think it was the right thing for the community to bring us all together. Uh, and, and I think this is going to benefit everyone going forward. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you want to have a a, a league like this, like and of any sort, my league, your league, anybody's league, like, um, it's good to have partners, right? It's good to have people that have a similar interest or a similar goal. So, um, yeah, so that's what the Crazy Killing Machine Network does for both of us, because now you can find both of our stuff in their directory, right? If you go to crazykillingmachinenetwork.co.uk, yep. um, you talked a little bit about um, with me about the idea that you have a new look website coming out like uh why don't you tell the viewers a little bit about that i know you touched up a little bit on your stream but uh i'm yeah. i'm still curious so so one of the things we, we i've always wanted to do i say always from cope four onwards is not forget the past and remember the the big names and the champions from the beginning of this game i mean all the way back 12 years 12 months ago not even 12 years 12 months ago um and i always kept going we need to do something we need to do something and i finally i got off my ass about three weeks ago. And we currently have an awesome cope directory created by Carl and the CKM guys. Um, but at every tournament, it took them a lot of work to get it all up to speed because it's all manually generated. Now I'm a, I don't want to say I'm a programmer because I'm a terrible programmer, but I'm a software guy by heart. I've been programming for 25 years of my 35 year life. Um, and so I, I, I went out and I built in the last few weeks this tool that not only shows you the current teams and which decks each team is using, it also goes to some of the historical parts. So any videos that we've done, and Brett has been awesome at all the video work, absolutely amazing. And we, we get all that linked into it. We link in all the, we're going to try and link in all the game results from Cope 4 onwards. Before Cope 4, we don't necessarily have them. But we are also having an award section. So if you've won a Cope event or you've run, won a Cope quiz and we will add more awards as we go forward. And all this is machine generated. Uh, and we're just, we've got a couple of last challenges to do. One of them, which is we are going to still embed it on the CKM site. Uh, that's the next challenge for me. And then make the adaptions for Coat 7. 
where we have our five deck tool that I believe Brett's already spoken to you about. Yeah, I mean, so, we we went in depth about the uh, the format and how it's going to play out and stuff. So tell me, as a as a in the runner, the organizer, and the event uh, director for Coat Seve, like, uh, what were your thoughts when uh, first approached with this by Brett as far as like his ideas for this one? Because this one's really unique. So, yes. So, so this is not the first idea Brett's pitched to me. This is the second one, uh, and the first one is what got adapted to being the group stage stages, uh, and and. We've adapted it to what became the group stage part of the tournament, which you have another format on top. And we're going to keep the group stages going forward. And Brett is someone who's, quite frankly, amazing. He's full of energy, full of ideas, and will not stop until I shout at him. And he normally only stops when both me and his wife shout at him for doing too much. Um, and we're getting, I think we need to get more synchronized at times. But Brett, Brett is amazing. Uh, and this format, he said it to me, and I went simply, I don't understand it take it to the mods and then all the mods went this is awesome and i went ah i understand it now this is awesome and and I, it's not so much that i have to vet and agree with everything going through now don't get me wrong i run a dictatorship i do but i value the opinion of the other mods and all the mods that are there are selected because either i've met them in face to face or they provided a big benefit um in fact it's only probably two i haven't met face to face um and they all said, this is an awesome system. This is an awesome idea. This is a nice twist on what we've seen previously. And I went, as soon as the mods are on board, give it a shot. Because the mods, if the mods agree, normally the community agrees. And this is, this is why we went around with that. I didn't understand it at first because I'm a simpleton. But I think it's good. I think the uh, Keyforge community is hungry for anything that is different and new, as long as it has a structure and a a defined point right um as long as it's heading in a direction that they can understand and get to um, most of the people want to just play keyforge right like keyforge is like one of those games that people seek to play um because there's not really a lot like quote-unquote professionally being done by ffg to really sustain us through this COVID thing right and we don't know how long yeah. this COVID thing is going to be so i think the community is basically the life support for this game because without the fact of all the people like us that have a fan interest in it and that want to see it do well like the game just dies so like if, if we come out of covid and ffg doesn't come back and like blow us away i'm gonna be very i'm gonna be kind of disappointed in it like i'm not gonna lie because i think we've done our part to prove to them that we love this game and we want to see it do well so now the ball is kind of in their court right with that and uh to see where they go with that and i don't know how you you feel about that as an organizer but that's how I feel about it. <laughs> so, like, what are your thoughts about that side of it? So, this is an interesting position, because I've not really said this outside of a couple of private conversations, but I'll happily say this publicly here, is I, I, I love the game Keyforge. Uh, I, I love the mentality. I love the way it brings things together. I love the, the fact it suits my style of play. Yes, I don't always win, but I, I like the fact that I'm very much a reactionary tactical player rather than strategic. And, and it, it can still suit my style. Yes, the strategic players are always going to be way better, but I can always upset it. And that's why I love the game. And I love the community because the people together, the bringing people together. Yes, there's a few people who are a little bit more, uh, what's the word? Um, high maintenance. <laughs> uh, high maintenance. Yeah, that looks so wrong. But again, they are still a strategic, important part of the community. And it's bringing people together and working with everybody as much as you can trying to give them a fair and level setting and actually this tournament that we've family that we've created for coat and um, that 
really wasn't by design. It was more of, hey, this is a cool idea. Let's see how far, how long it runs for. And I've kept it up because the momentum seemed to keep going. And with Coach 7 coming up for two weeks to sign up, or a week, depending on when this airs, um, it, it, it kept going nicely. Now, if we get to the end of this and FSG said, okay, we're, we're I don't think this will happen. And FSG says, draws the line, says, okay, we're moving on from Keyforge as an IP. We're going to move it to a, a different, or we're going to end the Keyforge car game and just stick with the role plays, or we're going to end the car game. I, I What I would hope we can do is the, the community will all migrate to new games or a new game or whatever. And I would hope that we can start using the basics that we learned for Coke into a new game that comes out. And, and my dream for Coke is to go beyond Keyforge in the future. I don't know when, maybe one year, maybe 10 years, maybe never. But the dream is to be able to take this format we have here and apply it to other games coming through. Um, no idea how to do that yet. That's what we've been wondering about for about two months. And so far, we've decided, yes, it's a good idea. Not sure how we're going to do it. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not Lord of Keyforge. And as long as there is Keyforge, this will be running. But at the same time, I want to start looking at um, making sure that we aren't just catering to one community. We're, we're widening our influence going forward and, and helping to build this practice of, uh, of an online event, but with local players playing together against local players from other countries geographically different does that make sense to you jupiter it makes sense to me i think i think i understand fully i'm all in on keyforge like if keyforge died i probably wouldn't play i wouldn't move like with a community to another game um i would move i eventually pick something up right like i'm a gamer i I have to have a game to play but um i would be kind of disappointed like i i would think that if key if the ip of keyforge were to just stop with fantasy fight games i i I could see us becoming more like a net a net runner uh kind of community where we just continue with the lore ourselves build our own card bases and just continue to build it as best as we can uh, to you know maintain the gameplay right but like i can't imagine that they would give up on their own ip like it's Uh. too much already invested into it it's already there it's already got legs like um it was doing really well and then COVID kind of, you know, walked it into a wall. And the thing that's beautiful about Keyforge is that it can literally come out of COVID and regain its momentum like a hundredfold, like quickly because of the way the game is built, like because it's built oh, on set. It's, it's not like we're like in like, let's say like we played like the, the Magic the Gathering game, right? Like it's not like we have to go back and buy Black Lotuses now and do all these other things to be competitive and whatnot. Like we don't have to spend that kind of money. Literally for $10 at any given point, you can just get into, you can get into Keyforge and play. Like, right? Like if... It's it's not hard like and it's I know that's like a pipe dream to say I'm gonna ever only buy one deck and I'm gonna win so much with it that I'm gonna love the game Keyforge but the idea is true like it is true that you can get in buy one deck and like you might get handed a deck you love you might not even have to spend because I know there's plenty of people like me who have too many decks to do with and we give away decks all the time so maybe you just get a deck you love to play so, so Jupiter, I have to ask them the most important question of all hmm. how many decks is too many none. Like there is no number for that. Like there's no. There's... <laughs> I thought you were going to say zero decks is too many. Then hang on a minute. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like no. Like you can have as many decks as you want as long as you have them. Um, for me, like I have like 
a collection of 300 plus decks because I rotate decks, right? I have secondary market because I, I believe every deck has a home, right? Like I think every deck has somebody that wants it for whatever reason it is. The name, the style, the gameplay, certain unique cards that like are hard to get together. Or, you know, there's just so many things that happen on the secondary market. Um, but I also am a fair price advocate to where like I believe that like cause and demand makes it so that you have to pay fair value for what you're getting because there's only one of the what the deck that i own like for every deck i own there's only one of them in the world right so i want to at least get my part of it and like i know some decks are just horrible so i don't mind getting rid of those for four or five bucks or whatever this and that but i get kind of peeved when you have decks that you know are hyper competitive and like they're vault tour level good or they're at least regional good like you know they they could do good on a a local scene and win you tournaments and like people are coming in asking 25 dollars for that and i'm like yeah i i mean you have to think of how many boxes would it take for you to open a deck of the similar quality oh, hell yeah. and like and, and, and i think a lot of people don't do that right so that's that's my take on that so like i think having a ton of decks is wonderful because decks come and go sas goes up sas goes down like um but the thing is is like you have to play the deck right like if you play yeah. if you play the yes. deck you'll know if it's your deck because it will play for you like i have decks that i play that nobody else can play like like well, they, they can play them but like they wouldn't have the success i've had with them and i can't explain to you why other than it's the way my mind thinks and it, it melds with that deck it's like the decks have oh, their completely. own have their own personalities you know oh complete man i completely get what you're saying and and the, the, as you say the price of a deck there's this everyone says the price of a deck is dictated by what someone wants to pay for it and i went that's half true the price it sells for does dictate the, the price but also you have to look how much does it cost to make a deck like that and making this sense is how many boxes do i have to open to definitely or not averagely get a deck of that caliber. And I'm not a big fan of the SAS rankings, though I use it like everyone else. And one of my reasons I've loved Mass Mutation so much is I've I've not looked at SAS really since Mass Mutation came out because it's nice to be able to have a look at deck and not have an opinion of it before I play it. And for me, that's got a lot more enjoyment to the game. And going forward, even though the enhancements are not going to be there necessarily in the future, I'm really hoping that I don't start looking at SAS too closely again. I said maybe I will when it comes up to large national tournament level, but when it's small tournaments and such like, I I, I really hope I'll just turn up, buy a deck of the day, and play that deck. Firstly, to support the store I'm in, and secondly, not to overthink it. Um, and, and that's my that's that's my objective. Once we get out of lockdown, is when I go and play. I and if it's a, a tournament, I will just turn up and buy a deck of the day. And if it's not a tournament, I'll bring a handful of decks, buy one deck that when I'm there to support the store. Uh, because I'm in a financial position where I can. I don't expect everyone to be able to do that. Uh, and just play, have fun, and not worry about winning, not worry about the competitive decks. Just go and have fun. And that's, I started losing that towards January this year, where every time I went to play with people, I, we were always playing our best decks. And we the fun was going out because the pressure was to win, not to see what combos we could pull off. Uh, and I hope I, and, I, and I'm really hoping we can I can get back to that point where, uh, I'm enjoying it again for the game, not not just trying to win it. Well, I do have to say that I think the beauty of Keyforge is in its sealed environment. I think playing sealed to a certain extent is the best way to play Keyforge um, because you get to actually explore the deck, right? Like you get to explore the game state better and you get to do all the things that Keyforge claims are the things that matter, right? Like the exploration and the discovery phase. Exactly. So, so um, I, I'm 100% behind the thought of sealed deck is where this game thrives. Um, but I also am under the impression that I like to go to tournaments where I get multiple decks 
and I have less variance in the fact that if I open just one deck I, and I get stuck yeah. with a bad deck, I'm stuck with a bad deck. So I'd rather pay a little bit more and go to a tournament and say like, pay $40 to go to a tournament and I get five decks to choose one from. Like that's way more in my in my wheelhouse of having some some more skill behind the the, the random factor because like there's still going to always be rng and there's still going to always be the way the deck draws etc yeah. etc but for the most part with only 36 cards to navigate in a deck like you're going to see every card every game so your knowledge of the card base this is something we talked a little bit with brett in the first half of this is like yeah. your, your knowledge on your card base and how the cards interact with each other and what cards are what and how they you know the, the faster you get at identifying those things and seeing those things in a deck the better player of a player you're going to be right because you're going to be more prepared you're going to be more prepared for the game so there's a kind of a chess level mentality to keyforge that i like because in chess like everybody is like well chess is like a you know a hard game but it's not really hard if you can memorize the algorithms because every every chess yeah. game every chess game has a set infinite point and the idea is that you have to be able to see to that point like those turns ahead and uh react to the way that your opponent goes to you so it's a constant shifting free will game so to say right like uh so like uh but the, the idea is is that if you play a perfect game of chess you can't lose right like and in, in key in keyforge in keyforge i think it's similar well it's at the top level especially and then you should say at all levels is key forge if you want to win it's all about mitigating the bad luck mm -hmm. that's what the game is is you are mitigating the bad luck you are trying to make sure that you are covered so that if you have a bad draw the bad draw is still good enough if you if your if your component if your opponent starts playing it you are able to counter what they have and it's that and it's a and this is true not just for keyboard, this is true for every game out there where there's, an, where there's a luck element. And there's only one or two where there's not. It's all about, chess is not like this because there's no luck in chess, you could argue. It's mm -hmm. all about trying to mitigate that RNG in your favor. Mm -hmm. um, the only other game I think like that is Food Chain Magnet where there's, next, there's only one luck element in the entire board game. It's worth playing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that game, but that's a different podcast. Uh. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, but I recommend giving it a try one day. It's 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 a long game about setting up a fast food chain. And it's a good game, but yeah. Sounds uh, anyway, food chain magnet. Food chain magnet. So there you go. There's your uh, your plug of the day for a game. So go check out food chain magnet or whatever he said it was. Uh. <laughs> Okay, I feel so listened to right now, man. I feel so listened to. <laughs> well, you threw me off. You're talking about a different game. I don't. The only game in my vocabulary is Keyforge. That that in London Bridge is falling down with my son because he thinks that's hilarious. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, my 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 kids are at the Roblox age, so I, I I've got Roblox as well, which I sit and play with them. Oh. Because, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of that, and uh, I've tried teaching them my eight, my ten year old Keyforge, and so far she's got far as I. It's okay, but Daddy, you're too easy to beat. And I'm going, well, I'm trying to... I'm not so much letting you win, but I'm not sort of trying hard to beat you here. Should I, should I put more of a attempt to make it more interesting for myself here? Because you're saying it's too easy, or what should I do? Who knows? I have, well, a, I, I, I have a principle with all of my kids. I have eight kids, and all of them have gotten the same treatment, except for Harlan, because he's autistic, so he kind of is different. But but other than Harlan, every other kid I've ever played, if they beat me, it's because they beat me. I never go easy on my kids, because I'm not going to have them talking crap to me like that. <laughs> so I only, I only let them go easy on me until they're regulars. You should see how we are when we play uh, cards or we play anything else. Uh, <laughs> trust me. Uh, you want uh, so it is somewhat worrying when my kids come up to me and say, Daddy, can we do that Brazilian game where you drown people? 
okay, as I say to my eight-year-old, go and set it up. And this is a, a, a lesser-known game called Veneta, where, yeah, you try to drown people. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Terrifying. Uh, as yeah. long, hey, a, a family that games together stays together, right? Like that's the that's the that's the way this this community goes, right? Like if you have I kids, if you have kids that are playing games with you and stuff like that, it's because they cherish the time that they're spending with you. So all parents out there, make sure you game with your kids. Like uh, that's what we're here for, right? Keyforge is amazing, yeah. easy game to teach kids. Like but all my kids want to play Keyforge. Some of them just aren't capable yet. Um, but, but but also just to just to, to twist this the direction you don't want it to go in, whether it's board games or computer games, game with your kids. Yeah, game with your kids as an age-appropriate game. Uh, but it's that time that bonding and hey, if you're playing the most dumb, boring computer game with your eight-year-old, they're enjoying the fact you're playing it with you, and you're getting time to meditate. <laughs> at least that's how I look at it. Um, that's but, it, yeah. and that's Chris's definition of roadblocks, which is not far. <laughs> <laughs> anyway my kids are into minecraft and stuff so i get it but like uh yeah, I, I just recently got my oldest one where he's playing like things like um he plays fortnite which i hate but like it's still better than playing roadblocks or minecraft um so like he plays fortnite and he, i just now got him into mobile legends bang bang so um which Ooh. is like which is like the uh league of legends on mobile so that's really cool um and we were having fun with that so that's where we're at but but now we're sidebarring, and this isn't about KeyForge anymore. It's about gaming. But either way, a family like this is all what we're talking about. Though Kote is family, right? It's like Moana. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, really... <laughs> and, and there's one more thing I feel I should point out. Mm -hmm. And Brett hates it when I say this. It's not Kote. It's coat. <laughs> a coat is well, C a, co a coat is C O A T. Trust me. <laughs> but, no. um, uh, but uh, this goes down to Carl Shepard uh, calling Kote on our second ever stream or third ever stream, and at which point it was became Kote for everybody apart from me. Well, that's and... that's because you're not French, right? The French probably are the ones that call, called it Kote, and it just stuck. <laughs> maybe, maybe I've not heard the French actually talk to me about it, only via chatting online. But this brings me onto a nice segue to another thing that we're going to start doing in Kote Seven. Ooh. or Kote 7 is we are starting to change how we do our weekly stream. So every tournament under its own has a weekly stream. You've got yours, which is what we're part of now, Jupiter. Mm -hmm. And we, we are changing our stream. Firstly, we're moving from a Monday night to a Tuesday night. This is because there is an online tournament everywhere in the world on every night of the week, apart from Tuesdays. So we decided to move it to Tuesdays, so not to interrupt the other tournament scene. And mm -hmm. we are growing our weekly stream to be more of a magazine style show now we have some ideas how we're going to do this we're going to have our commentary as part of this it's going to be Bress and me working together we're going to talk about kote we're going to talk about the metrics coming out of kote we're going to i call it probably kote now kote, the <laughs> metrics coming out of kote uh, we're going to talk about the, some of the combinations we're going to do some news about what's changing the game um, we've got a number of sections we're trying to have uh, we are always looking for contributors to this we have a first couple of weeks sort of well, I have it penned out on a piece of paper next to me. I should probably give it to someone else at some point. Um, but the, the, this will start uh, on the 17th of November. Um, I think we're going to say 9.30 p.m. GMT. So that's 4.30 for you in the East Coast. But it's trying to make it work around the world. There's always a chance. But, of course, it will be on YouTube afterwards. We're going to have our weekly uh, commentary as part of that and, say, a few other sections to try and see 
if we can get this going, and we, we want to grow up beyond Pitts, we want to bring in, as you know, Jupiter. Uh, we might talk about KPL a little bit, where, where it works well with you to help advertise what's going on for you guys in between and what events you have coming up and some summaries. And, and we will happily talk about any other events that you want to open to a worldwide audience, whether that be in an online event or whether that is just going to be your local store championship, but you want to announce it to get yourself heard around the world just to see who you can get coming. Um, so that that's sort of the next big ticket item for Coach 7, apart from the format change, is trying to grow this sort of online presence that we have to to meet a wider debate, not just Coke players, but also players who don't play in Coke but are still interested in Keyforge. And, and that's... That's the, the next dream we're going to try and conquer. Let's see if it works. No idea. You know what? You just got to shoot for the stars and eventually you hit something, right? Like uh, whether yeah. it, whether it's exactly what you thought or not. Like uh, I can say when I started KFPL, like uh, I had big dreams and ambitions. I, I tried to get, you know, garner as much energy as I could for it. Had a lot of people that were like, yeah, we're on, we're doing this, we're going to go. And then like, as soon as anything started to formulate, like people just kind of go, well, that's a lot of commitment. I don't think I want to do it. Like, um, and honestly, it just takes finding the right people, finding the right luck, finding the right stream, finding the right limitations, right? Like, um, it's not easy um, because there are different points of view on things and there are different ways that people want to uh, carry things out and stuff like that and making Completely. it and making it fit to what you want is important uh, like uh, doing a weekly like initially like my, my for my initial project for this uh, Keyforge Premier League was the idea that like I, I brought in like 40, 40 or so different people that like said they wanted to help do media and um, they got busy like by the time we got to around to where we needed them they were busy so like it really ended up being on my shoulders but originally I wanted to have a Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday like uh, group stage like coverage like put out videos for each group stage and then Friday I wanted to do this talk show idea that was my my big you know end of the week summary about the league and um, I just didn't get there right but like I'm glad to hear I'm glad to hear that you guys are, are taking on an idea like this as well because me and Brett talk all the time so yeah. we, we we both I think me and Brett uh really excel at innovation um and execution is like where like for me where Carl comes in for me right like and probably for him for is what he has with you is where he goes innovate 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 and you go whoa 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 let's figure out which one makes sense and how right and like I think that's great um because he is a great guy like um he's often misunderstood because he's blunt and he's very straightforward and sometimes people take that the wrong way but all in all brett is an amazing guy um he i consider him a very close friend to my family um i, I love his family like um uh, you just have to understand brett right like you have to understand oh, how, yeah. how he works um he's not the typical person like if you want a guy that's just gonna say yes to you then he's not that guy <laughs> so but uh, I, I can't think of anything worse than someone who just said yes to me <laughs> so much shit happen if like people just said yes to me so no, I, 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 this is why i like with brett as well he's full of energy he's got his head screwed on he understands the community and he'll say stop i don't understand the second he doesn't understand so he won't just bullshit you on and this is why brett's great and yeah great guy yep. um and, and and i love the fact you say brett's innovation and i'm execution um the reason i love that is my actual job title in my day job is actually i'm an inventor <laughs> nice so uh yeah so uh i like that we both do the innovation side but i, I i'm the one who unlike me in the rest of the my life i'm the one taming this back slowing it down mm -hmm. but at the same time Brett's keeping me going keeping pushing me forward because i say we need to try new ideas we need to be fresh we need to be new and we need to just try and and if it doesn't work well hey we fucked up. we messed up mm -hmm. we move on. We continue uh but that's what you learn you fail fast you move forward Yep. 
And that's about uh, all we got. Like, um, this is going to run a bit long, but I think the discussion was great. It was wonderful. Um, I'll give you a second to, like, plug anything else that you really want to plug real quick, but I'm going to start to wrap this up as I have other things. I have the art project I got it, I've been working on uh, coming up this afternoon as well. So um, I'm going to get ready for that. But, uh, Chris, I, first of all, want to say thank you for coming on and uh, having this talk with me. I love learning more about uh the coat league and uh <laughs> and uh i'm uh, excited to take part in coat seven i have a team like we're already fighting and the chaos has already started because we don't know what we want to play we don't know what good, we want to play <laughs> uh picking decks making i asked i asked uh brett the specific question i was like did you pick five just so that the people on the team couldn't be like well you bring two i'll bring two and then he brings two right like you had to make it five so there has to be this odd number that you have to fight about right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, five's a nice round prime number. No, I mean, so thanks, dude. Well, firstly, thank you for bringing me on here. It's great to be involved. You know, if anyone knows me, I like to talk. I'll talk for my country. I'll talk in national championships if you need me to, uh, because I like to talk. I like to describe, and I like to share my passions. And, and this tournament running and coach se and keyboard separately are, are two passions. Um, I don't have anything in events or anything I initially want to plug other than the stuff we've covered. Uh, but I do want to wish you good luck with your event this Saturday. I'm not sure when the stream is going out. It may go out before or after. It's going to go uh, out tomorrow. Oh, great. So good. Uh, good luck for your event this Saturday. Your uh, transmutation double survival deck. Unfortunately, I've got family commitments, so I can't be there. Um, but also, uh, just lastly, is to stay safe to everyone who's in the Europe who's going through another round of lockdowns. <laughs> uh, starting in two hours' time from us making this recording, we will be back in lockdown in the UK. Germany went there yesterday, and I believe Poland will be going there soon. So I know it's all doom and gloom for COVID, but seriously, guys, stay safe and uh, follow the guidelines so we can get through this and be back face-to-face -face as soon as possible. Yeah, this COVID thing is being much more resilient than I think they originally thought it would be. So, um, and quite honestly, like the the two word uh, summary for COVID is COVID sucks. Period. Um, so, like, it's not. It's I don't know. Like, stop trying to be Superman. Just let the thing run its course. Like, like do the things you need to do. Let's end this thing. Let's get rid of it. Um, as a as a world, right? Like, it's a world thing. And I know the U.S. We have a bunch of idiots here that like think they can run around without masks and stuff like that. And our numbers are spiking back up as well. So. Um, um, this seems to be a very much like a super virus. If you don't know how viruses work, they basically just because you kill off a couple of the weaker ones and stuff like that, the ones that that are going to reproduce are going to be the stronger ones, right? And like so, you're going to get worse and worse, like the longer that you let it survive and you don't deal with it uh, wholly. So um, it's scary. Like this is how humanity ends at some point. Um, hopefully, it's not now. But um, this is pretty much like what I would foresee as like a very feasible ending to our our existence as uh, animals on the well, let, let, let's let's be a bit more positive than that no it's the end of, it's the it's the end of the time it's and and every hundred years there's a pandemic and every hundred years we get through it and mm -hmm. we just gotta get as you say we've got to do the follow the guidelines and, and get through it yeah i'm not saying covid will end us i'm just saying that in the long run this is probably the most feasible way of humankind having it's out like i don't think we see that in our lifetime ever or our kids lifetime but like uh i, I think that uh i, I hope not I, yeah i okay. think it i think it's going to be quite quite a time still but like i do believe that uh this is our our one thing that we can't handle well is the evolution of virus and germs and bacterias and things because we're such a fragile creature in, in all reality right but that's science and we'll talk about that on a different podcast <laughs> this is jupiter from manlius new york with chris from the uk uh thank you again for your time and um any last second outs none 
he's done. He's like, I'm out. <laughs> so we'll talk to you guys soon uh, next week, and we'll talk you talk to you later. And thank you for joining us here at KeyForge Premier League Weekly. Um, this is Jupiter from Manlius, New York, saying, keep your amber glowing and forge those keys.